Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So now all of a sudden, because of that person, we put all of our trust in God in that person. If that person isn't right, that means all that truth behind it must not be right. And so it's a slow, long process that causes our our doubts and our fears that come into our life. Instead of hitting them head on, there was a time we didn't have those doubts. We didn't have those questions. We're pretty comfortable with that. Now this came up. So what do we do with it? We sit down and we get that resolved. Now, most of us will say, you're right, pastor, that's right. I need to resolve that. I need to make sense out of this. I need to get help because I don't want any of this to steal my faith away from me. But I'm just too busy. Well, again, I would encourage you that if you have such a busy life that you can't handle the rest of this right here, your life will get more and more complicated because then you won't be responding to the word like you should. So I would suggest to you that you then begin to make one of your higher priorities, if not the highest one, is to begin to deal with those doubts in a proper way by going to the proper people or the word to be able to resolve those doubts. So when it happens, don't let them come in because they're like little cells of cancer. You won't lose your salvation, but I guarantee you will lose that intimacy and the joy that you can have with Christ. So watch out for those little circumstances that can come in that will cause that in your life. There's two neat statements that are in this scripture that really speak to me. It's where Thomas says, I will not believe unless blah, blah, blah. And verse 27 says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. At this particular point of this passage, you're going to find that Jesus has already said, here, look at my nails, look at my side, you see this. And then Jesus finally says, you know what? Stop being an unbeliever. Stop not believing and believe. He's actually giving a command to you and me. Here's what I look at that. There's two things I have to watch out for, and that is letting my head try to direct me or let my heart be the only direction in my life because neither one are very safe. First of all, my head. When I look at Scripture intellectually, which isn't all bad, but if I want all my answers before I'm going to do this, I'll never get them. There's more questions that I have, and there's far more answers in Scripture, but I haven't really connected all the dots yet. And so comes a time that finally the Lord says, okay, I've given you enough um, polemic answers to your questions that you have. Now you have to step over the line and you have to believe. So even with your head, you can have it all, but eventually you'll never get it all to be able to satisfy all your questions. There is that line of this leap of faith that you have to take. Now that leap is going to be shortened when you have more truth given to you. That's why we teach apologetics here. That's why we teach why we know the Bible is inspired here. The, the truthfulness of Christ and Him being God. We go through all of that with you so that you know that there are a lot of answers, a lot of explanations. But for some of you, you have more questions than God has an answer for. I say that as a joke, all right, because God has all answers, but there's that time. The other is sometimes we think, okay, once I feel like I'm really ready to trust Christ, we leave it to feeling. In other words, when I really feel close to the Lord, maybe I need more candles lit. Maybe I need to smell more incense. Maybe I need to have more people show it. Somehow I want to feel the presence of God. And if I can really feel His presence, I can really experience Him. Okay, I really now know He's real because I can feel Him. I'm going to say that's very dangerous as well because our emotions are all over the map and often our emotions are driven by what we think. We think, we feel, we behave. 
So that's why Jesus finally says, you know what? I hear all of this. Now believe. Stop your unbelieving and believe. And so there's a time in your life that you're going to have to give it all up for the Lord. There's a time for those of you that don't know Christ as Savior, and I say this with as much love as I can. You know, He's done it all for you. You've seen it all. Historically, it's there. Prophetically, it's there. Scientifically, it's there. Apologetically, it's there. It's everywhere that you need. Emotionally, yeah, you may feel someday closer to the Lord. Someday you're not, but that doesn't determine whether you are or you're not. You then need to just take that little tiny bit of faith that you have, like a grain of mustard seed, or that little bit of faith like a little child has. It's a faith of an abandon. You know, just children just have an abandoned trust. And you now place it in the little bit of knowledge that you have about who Christ is, and you place your faith in Christ is God who went to the cross and shed his blood and rose again for you. You trust him. You step over that line. And for some of you, whatever you're going through right now, you may not have all the questions to why this and why now and why you, but you need to know that the Lord does love you and go back on the truths that you've already been taught, that you've already trusted, and you stop and you believe that. So what is it? It all boils down. It's a matter of your will. It's a matter of choice that you do this. I would encourage you to do that. Jesus is the one that simply says, stop waiting and now just decide. Regarding your faith, maybe I could explain it this way. When I was a little boy, uh, my dad spent a lot of time with me. And one time we were in this uh, shopping center. I was probably seven years old. And it was one of those uh, big stores like a Sears, Sears Roebuck. And it had those escalators going up. And my dad would take me with him. And certain times he would park me at a place. He'd say, okay, I want you to stand right here, Stanley. You stay right here, and I'm going to come right back for you. Don't you move. Now, back in the 50s, you could pretty well not worry about people abducting you like you might have today. Or maybe my dad just had enough confidence in me or was foolishly trusting. I don't know. But he said, Stanley, you stand there. Now, when my dad said, you stand there, you stood there. So I stood there, and I waited for my dad. Now, what seemed like an hour or two, which in a little child's mind, it could have only been a minute, my dad didn't come for me. And I'm watching these people come down this down stairwell, this escalator going down. And I knew that my dad's going to come down. He must be up there. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I don't see my dad come down. Then I see my dad on the floor above me, and I'm looking at him. Instead of him turning to come down this, the escalator, I, I watch him walk by. He just, he just walked by those stairs. I thought, what in the world? Where's my dad? And I'm now yelling, dad, 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 dad. He, he didn't hear me. My dad really cannot hear in one ear, so he couldn't hear me. And so I'm yelling and yelling. He didn't do it. So then you know what I did? I took off running up a down escalator. Have you ever done that in desperation? I did that. Well, here's the lesson in that. The lesson is that with life and sin and the way we have things coming at us through the flesh, Satan, the world system, it's working against our faith. It's coming at us to keep us down. And for us, we're going to have to keep moving in the direction toward Christ, toward developing our faith, strengthening our faith, spending time in the Word and around people who love the Word and honor the Word and will help us with the Word, where we can use the Word to help grow others. In other words, we're Word-based, Word-centered. And so for us, it's like climbing up this escalator that's trying to push us down by the world system. If we don't, if we're not going forward, we will not stay neutral, people. We will go back again. And so for some people, that's why some are moving up and then all of a sudden you're saying, man, they don't have the faith that they once had. They're not as strong any longer. They're not losing their salvation. What it is is their faith is now being tested and they're not moving in the direction, watch this, to strengthen their faith. So it's not just enough to say, have faith. 
It's here's how you have faith. And you've been hearing that again and again and again. And it's a choice that we make to grow our faith. Let's look at another truth here. The third is we need to renew our confession. Go back to the passage if you don't mind. You'll notice here in verse 27, he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Now that might seem to be a great confession. It's a nice statement. You might even have it underlined in your Bible, but you've got to see it in the context of what's just happened. So watch carefully again. Jesus shows up on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, after his resurrection, okay? These guys get it. Thomas was gone for eight days, as we know, all right? He missed all of that. You'll notice Jesus comes in and he says, again, peace be to you guys. Then he immediately goes to Thomas and he says to Thomas, I want you to touch my hand right here where the nails are. I want you to put your hand where my wound is right here so you can see this. That tells me a very benevolent, loving God. Now stay with me on this. Eight days. Eight days the Lord allowed Thomas to live in misery in little faith. Eight days of unanswered questions and doubts. Eight days of uncertainty. Eight days of we don't even know what was going on in Thomas's life. But we do know this. He didn't have the faith that he had after that eighth day. So maybe some of you have been in this. And maybe you're now crying unto the Lord. And you wish your faith would be strengthened. The Lord may not do it overnight. It's going to take some time. Some of you may be allowed to wallow around long enough and then the Lord's going to come into your room and that room is going to be filled with other people that have their needs as well, but He's going to speak right to you. You won't hear His voice, you won't see His body, you won't be able to touch His wounds, but you know that you know, watch this, that the very Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, has singled you out and you didn't have to wait that long. And so I hope that you would continue to pursue Christ. Notice something else. Thomas did not put his hand into the scars in Jesus' hand. He did not put his hand into the wound of Jesus. All Jesus had to say was what he said. And Thomas then gave the greatest of all confession. Let's pick apart that confession for a moment. Look at it in your Bible. He said to him, to the Lord, my Lord and my God, and that's it. Now when I look at the phrase, my, that's very personal. It's not like saying everybody's faith, everybody's Lord. He's saying, my Lord. We'll talk about that in a moment. Then he said, my Lord. When I look at Lord there, that's a word that would say that I see you more than a Savior now. I know you're the Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for the sin. You rose again from the dead. But he sees him now as the Lord Jehovah. He sees him as the Lord, as the commander-in-chief, the boss of his life now. He now recognizes that he is his God, my Lord. You are my commander. You are my master, so to speak. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's where your faith is bringing you into that relationship with the Lord to see that he is in charge of your life. Then it goes back to say, and my God. Now, the word and there is connected to Lord and God, which means that with Lord, you have everything, but, you know, he, he, he's not just Lord. He's also God, that the, that the Lord and God, Jesus, all, holds, it's all so huge, so complex, so big, that he has so much of everything in your life. He has everything to you. Then he says again here, my Lord and my God. Two times in one phrase, he says, my and my. That means it's a very, very personal, powerful confession of faith. You are my Lord, my God. Now, 
When we sing these songs on Sunday morning to worship the Lord, it's beautiful to hear the volume coming from the sound system and the lights up on the stage with the the picture of the words. It's nice to hear from behind us the beautiful voices of those who are singing around us. It's so beautiful when we finally know the music and the words that we can see it and we begin to screech it out ourselves. And we're singing it unto the Lord. But what I'd like you to realize, while this room is filled with a community of believers here, that you are in the community of the redeemed, it's still you. You, alone with the Lord, worshiping Him all by yourself. So can you say, whatever my wife, whatever my husband, whatever my kids, whatever my parents, whatever my boyfriend, whatever my girlfriend, whoever it is in my life, you are my God. So that means that if they crumble on some of their faith and they're not progressing like they should, you don't go down with them, that you remain strong. I see you for who you are to me. Therefore, I engage in you, Lord. You are my Lord. You are my God. So no matter what happens, I stay strong in my faith. And by the way, when you do that, by your very strength in the Lord, it's quite possible that people then will lean to you and look to you and say, what you have, I want. Can you help me with this? And now what you're doing is becoming a conduit of God's strength to them, God's trust that you have for the Lord to them. And they will now find the same Lord that you do. My Lord and my God, how precious that is. Now with this confession, there's a couple of things that I noticed. One of it is it's a vital thing to do. It's something that we've got to do. It's vital. I pray that you do. It's not something he didn't walk away and say, I still don't believe you. Who wants to touch you anyway? I don't believe. Those are just marks in there. You're not the guy who you claim to be. No, it was a vital thing. He had to do it. So let me pause for a moment for you all. What you're hearing this morning is how to build your faith, how to have a more closer, intimate relationship with the Lord. You can hear all of this, but it's you that have to make that vital confession to the Lord. It's something that you have got to do somewhere in your life and bring yourself back to it. The second is, is that it's very personal. We talked about that a moment ago. So just make it very personal. It's all about you doesn't mean that you have to stand up, fill out a card, but it's something that happens your way with your personality, authenticated by the Spirit and the teaching of God's Word that the Lord is your Lord. So it becomes very, very personal to you. That's why we call it a personal relationship with Him. Now, I know that all relationship is with Him is personal, but the ones that are closest to Him have that intimate relationship with Him. The last thing here that I thought was interesting, it says here, and He said to Him, and we already know the other guys are in the room, my Lord and my God. So it's audible and it's visible. Now, he didn't stop when he saw, Thomas didn't stop when he saw Jesus and he went through this. And then he looked at the guys and says, hey guys, I want you to know, this guy over here, he's my Lord, he's my God. He did say it to the Lord, the Lord alone. So while we could have a wonderful testimonial service in here and you could all stand up and say, I believe it, he's my Lord, that's great. But there's a personal time that you can go audible And you then say, you are my Lord and my God. And I pray that whether you're driving to work tomorrow or your kids are in the privacy of your bedroom, you shut the computer off for just a moment and just for a moment just say, my Lord, my God. As a family, I pray that when you pray that some of you young people would step over the line and just when you're called upon to say grace, that in your prayer you might say, oh, you are my Lord and you are my God. And you say that to the Lord, but for the benefit of those that are around you that they can hear that you're recognizing that he is not your father's Lord, your mother's God, but he is your Lord and your God. And it's as if you're all alone around the dinner table, but you're praying and you pray out loud, my Lord, my God. Do you know what that will do to the faith and the encouragement of your family? Should you do that? I don't know how many memorial services that Pastor Dennis and I have preached. 
that we meet with the family ahead of time and as I'm bringing down my interview with the family to prepare my message, I ask them, what kind of a faith journey was your dad, was your dad on? What kind of a spiritual journey did your mother have? And most of them say, I have no idea. Oh, I think they're, I think they're Christian. I have no idea. Well, I don't either then. Does that mean they're not saved? Possibly, because usually those that are born-again believer, they somehow testify soon afterwards, but I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't you like to know that all of your family have publicly stated that they have placed their faith alone in Jesus Christ, and they said it audibly, visibly, and confidently to the Lord, or about the Lord, but to you, so you heard that. Now, you got that? Let me take one step further. While many of you might have heard your kids or your family say that individually that they have come to faith in Christ, way beyond when a children's Sunday school teacher comes alongside and says, oh, by the way, little Johnny came to this, and don't you know your little daughter, she, she trusted Christ today. You actually heard, that encourages you, but let me take it a step further. Wouldn't it be great that you heard your kids, your family, your mate, your loved one, your dad, your mother, who you know trusted Christ, also say, he is also my Lord and my God. I will adjust my thinking, feeling, and believing based on who he is in my life through the word of God. Do you know how much encouragement? Do you know when they actually hear that and know that and see that? Then often the influence you have will be eternal. So I think a little bit of doing it audibly and visibly might be very helpful. Well, let's end with the last one. and That would be to receive the blessings of the Lord. I'll tell you, if you want to eliminate a lot of the doubts and strengthen your faith and just receive his blessings. Look at it quickly here. At the end of this, verse 29, Jesus said to him, right after Thomas said that, notice the wonderful word of confirmation. He says, because you have seen me, have you believed? Now, there's a question mark in some translations, but it's kind of a rhetorical question. Because you've seen me, have you believed? You believed. You sure you did. You know what you're doing. Okay, that kind of thing. Jesus knows, but he's reinforcing this. So it's it's a, a time to him to say, now remember what you're saying, because you've seen me, you believe, right? All right. Then he said, blessed are they who did not see and yet believe, referring to us in this generation. We have not seen him or the prince in his, nail, uh, prince in his hand or the wound on his side. We haven't seen that, but yet we have believed. And the Lord is saying, you've seen all this. You've had this empirical data for you. Others haven't. They're even more blessed because they didn't get all that data. They believe. Now verse 40 kind of pauses and gives you a little bit of a summary. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples before and maybe while he was still on the earth before he ascended. He did a lot more which are not written in this book, meaning the Bible, the Word of God, or Scripture. So that means that he did this, but there's a whole lot more that he didn't really record. These guys really needed at that time. And then it goes a little bit further. He says, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And I want to close with this. When we have this kind of faith, it results in us being blessed. Now, the word blessed doesn't mean happy. A lot of people say, Well, we're blessed. We've got happiness when we have this faith. Well, I think it's more of a sense of joy. And the joy that we have, now watch this, isn't like a joy that I've, I've won something or joy that something great happened to me externally. It's more like I have this blessed joy that 
is an, it's, a, it's a supernatural connectivity by a God who's accepted me and I've accepted God and that we are together. There's this connection to the Lord. So when I have faith in Him, that means we become more one by this and that's the blessedness. And in this, the rest of this passage says the other part of this is that when we have this kind of faith, it gives us a, a sense of believing and confidence in life forevermore. The last phrase here, oh, so that you may believe that, that Jesus is God, but it's more than that. It's more than just believing that He is God. It's believing that, that He is God, that now it comes to the next level that you have eternal life. And I love that. So it's beyond just a theological knowledge that, okay, I believe that He's God. We end up with having eternal life. And it's with that power, that knowledge, that truth, that confidence, that strength of faith that Thomas then went out with the rest of the guys and turned the world upside down for the Lord. So that's what he did. Next week, we're going to talk about something that's even important in our life as we begin to walk with him in some areas that are very important. I pray that you'll be able to be with us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I wanted you to have a quiet moment right now so that you might have an opportunity to ask yourself some questions. Jesus was going through this with Thomas, obviously to build his faith, but more than that, to reveal that he really was God in the flesh who did all of this and who came back to life again. So there's, there's a lot going on in this wonderful event. And so now he's saying, you believe, he did all of this so that you believe that Jesus is God. So my question is right now, first question, do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you? Do you believe that he's God in the flesh? And in that, do you believe that he died on the cross and he rose again? Do you believe he did all of that? Do you believe he is who he claimed to be and he did what he claimed to do? Did he, do you believe that? All right, you believe that. Now, once you have that in your mind, are you willing to trust in him for that? In other words, you are now going to depend upon all of that that you believe in is true and claim it for yourself, that you believe in it so that you have eternal life. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the one who died and rose again, you truly believe that it's not by works of righteousness, you truly believe it's not by faith and good works, but truly believe that it's in Him, in Him alone, you can have everlasting life. The opposite of that is if you don't believe He's God, then no matter what you believe about Him will not result in eternal life and you won't have life. If you believe in Him that, yeah, He is God, but you're not trusting in Him, but you're still trusted in yourself, then... Yeah, he's God, but that you don't think he's enough God. You've got to help him out when you go to, the, go, to your, uh, go to your list of good works and say, Lord, you did this on the cross, but now I'm going to go to my good works and show you that I did that. You, weren't, you, you didn't do enough. You weren't good enough. I've got to do more. And Jesus says, no, I, I've done it all. I took all the sin of all the world for all the time, and your sin included. Now, what you need to do is to just simply say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I don't have a lot of faith, but the faith I have is going to be in Jesus Christ. Now, this is where the Spirit of God is now working in your heart. This is a time for you to realize that you need Christ as your Savior. You might say, I still have unbelief. And your faith will grow more rapidly once you trust in Him. But now Jesus is saying, believe. Don't be unbelieving. Be believing. Don't be without faith or faithless, but now faith. Take that faith you have and place it in Christ. Do it right now. You don't know when your heart's going to stop beating. You don't know when it's all over. Sovereignly, he brought you this message today so you could hear it. I pray you're trusting Christ. If you believe that he can give you eternal life, and you believe that with all of your heart, and you trust in him now, and you have eternal life, then 
believe that he can also take care of your life and all your hurts, habits, and hang-ups that you're trying to get through right now. Give it to him. Strengthen that faith. Eliminate the doubts. Get into his word. Surround yourself with other Bible-believing people that are living that scripture out. Connect with them on a spiritual level. Talk to them about things of this life, but how it connects to the eternal. Listen to their testimonies, to their greatness and the goodness of God in their life and the fact that God loves you as well. So is there anyone in here today that's ready to, in a sense, stop their unbelief by placing their faith in Jesus Christ? Maybe you would say something like this, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know that I don't have all my questions answered, but the big question is, do I believe that you are God in the flesh who died and rose again? And I do. And now, Lord, since I believe you did that, now I believe you did that for me. And I'm trusting you now to take me to heaven to forgive me of my sin. Would you now activate by choice your faith in him? You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.